The number four holds an important significance to the American people. Four years represents a single full term for a president, a period in which an entire country can change for better or worse. A blip on the radar in terms of actual time that can come to define a generation. The number four also holds another connotation for the American people, however. Four is the number of presidents that America has impeached or attempted to impeach in over 200 years of existence. Today we'll be dissecting three of these four impeachments in American history, that of Nixon, Clinton, and the most recent impeachment, Trump. Though an in, through an interview with Tammy Lopez, an average citizen of the United States who grew up in the period following Nixon's infamous resignation and witnessed the latter two impeachments in her lifetime, by hearing from an average American citizen, we will attempt to glean what impact all of these varying cases of impeachment have had on public opinion and how they affected all of us personally, politically, and socially. Through our interview, we will seek an answer to this most important question. What truly is the enduring legacy of these momentous occasions in the history of the United States? And what impact have these previous impeachments had upon our most recent impeachment of President Donald J. Trump? To begin, I'd like to have our guest for this podcast introduce themselves and give us a little backstory on what role these impeachments have played in their life. Well, I don't really recall the Nixon impeachment. I was a very small child at the time. And I think that in many ways it kind of formed the way that I was raised and maybe my family's outlook on politics to where we didn't really talk much about them. So the impeachments, although I knew they happened, were not that impactful until I became more aware of the politics and the way they affected my life with the most recent impeachment of Donald Trump. All right, thank you so much for that and for being on our podcast. To kick us off on our tour of America's history of presidential impeachments, we'll be covering Nixon. But first, a little background. Nixon ran into his first brush with controversy in 1952 as the prospective running mate for General Dwight Eisenhower. Nixon was accused of something rather less controversial, operating a political fund that would reimburse him for campaign expenses, which, while not illegal, led to accusations of special favors. All of that was washed out with one of Nixon's most famous speeches, the Checkers speech, wherein he said the only gift he would not give back was his dog, Checkers. This first brush with controversy would set a tone for the rest of Nixon's political life. Losing the 1960 presidential election to Kennedy, Nixon faded a bit into the background, taking the coat of the loyal opposition and waiting for the moment to strike. Following the assassination of Kennedy, it was obvious to everyone, and probably Nixon as well, that no one would beat Kennedy's successor, Lyndon Johnson, come 1964. Johnson would go on to win one of the most resounding victories in American history, 486 electoral votes to Barry Goldwater's 52. 
Johnson proved unable to handle everything with the same stride that his predecessor had, failing to unite his own party behind him, let alone the country. Come 1968 and the next presidential election cycle, a battered Johnson chose to bow out and let the party squabble over the next Democratic nominee. And here, Nixon saw his chance to strike. The Democratic Party in shambles, rocked by the assassination of Bobby Kennedy and a disastrous national convention. Nixon won the 1968 election against Democratic challenger Herbert Humphrey, catapulting him into the spotlight of Vietnam and the growing youth and anti-war movements in America. Notoriously paranoid and saddled with a recording system installed in the Oval Office during the Johnson administration, Nixon and his presidency were in serious peril. With the election of 1972, Nixon's paranoia was on full display. The Democratic National Convention, headquartered at the Watergate Hotel, was subject to a break-in wherein the burglars attempted to wiretap the facility. This was immediately an extremely suspicious case, and while initial attempts to uncover who was behind the break-in proved unsuccessful, later investigations aided by an unnamed whistleblower codenamed Deep Throat followed a sizable amount of money going to the convicted burglars coming from Creep, a branch of the Nixon campaign otherwise known as the Committee to Re-Elect the President. After this information was uncovered, an investigation was begun by the Department of Justice, who appointed Archibald Cox as special counsel. As more evidence was uncovered and led closer to Nixon himself, pressure mounted. On the night of October 20th, 1973, Nixon attempted to get his attorney general, Elliot Richardson, to fire special counsel Archibald Cox. Richardson refused and resigned, whereupon Nixon ordered Deputy Attorney General Ruckel's house, who also refused and resigned. Nixon eventually found someone to fire Cox on his behalf in Solicitor General Robert Bork. This event would come to be known as the Saturday Night Massacre. Shortly after, just ten days later in fact, the House would begin their impeachment process. Less than a year later, Nixon would resign from office in disgrace, and the rest is history. Over 40 years later, it's hard to gauge just how Americans view Nixon and his presidency, and in particular, the attempted impeachment and resignation. Tammy, as someone who lived out the aftermath of this significant event, how have you and other people of your generation come to view Nixon and his impeachment? I think that Nixon was kind of the proof and the evidence of the corruption that was in politics. I think that he is an example of what everybody thought was happening, but nobody had the proof. And I think he just became the evidence that politics is crooked. And how would you describe the reaction of your parents and their generation? Um, well, my parents have never really talked much about it. They didn't really talk about politics. Our obligation was to vote. Um, you know, politics was an impeached president. They never really talked to us kids about why he was impeached, and politics was never a topic at our dinner table. So, 
sometimes I kind of wonder if maybe at some point they believed in Nixon's innocence and maybe we're just embarrassed to ever talk about it again. Hmm. And how do you think this event in history impacted you personally and politically? In particular, what has it done to your view of the government? I think that just because of, you know, my parents' disengagement with politics, I wasn't really engaged. Um, it was, it's just like America's dirty little secret. Impeachment. Nobody really talked much about it, at least at my dinner table. As the first impeachment of the modern era, and only the second in American history, the Nixon impeachment really set a tone. Going into Clinton, do you see any similarities between the Nixon impeachment and Clinton impeachment? And if not, where do you see some of the major differences? Honestly, I don't really see them <clears throat> as being that different. I think that both presidents were behaving unethically and unbecoming a American president. Um, whether it was criminal or not, what either of them did, I, I don't know that we ever got to the point of proving that because Nixon resigned and, and Clinton was found not guilty by Senate, so there were no consequences. They were both behaving unethical, unbecoming of the office they were serving. And they face no consequence. I didn't really see much difference other than, you know, when you get to the details. All right. Thank you for that. And with that, let's start in on the Clinton impeachment. When Bill Clinton took the White House some 20 years after Nixon, he was no stranger to controversy. As governor of Arkansas, Clinton came under fire for several allegations of cheating against his wife, Hillary Clinton the most notable case being that of Jennifer Flowers, which came to light during Clinton's 1992 presidential campaign, which revealed a relationship between Flowers and Clinton that lasted 12 years, according to Flowers. In addition, business deals made during Clinton's time as governor, which came under little scrutiny at the time, formed the basis for the Whitewater investigation during his time in office, and despite having won the popular vote with only a plurality, Clinton was a fairly well-liked president. Though faced with the newly Republican-controlled House and Senate, which presented a fervent opposition under Newt Gingrich, Clinton maintained throughout his presidency an almost unparalleled bipartisanship, working across the aisle, mostly out of necessity, but also out of a conservatism particular to Southern Democrats. This bipartisan spirit and public approval would not save Clinton from the next controversy that would arise. Melding the fine line public officials walk between political and private. Among the sordid details of the Whitewater investigation and the Star Report arose a striking allegation that Clinton had in fact lied to a grand jury in a case concerning sexual assault allegations made by Paula Jones. Asked if he had ever had sexual relations with Monica Lewinsky, a witness and White House intern, Clinton denied having ever had sexual relations and, 
as some evidence points to, may have even pressured Lewinsky herself into denying said relations. All this came to light when Linda Tripp, a friend of Lewinsky's, recovered recordings in which Lewinsky discussed her affair with Clinton and handed them over to special counsel Kenneth Starr. Clinton's impeachment would start a few short months after the Starr report was released, revealing Clinton's infidelity, potential jury tampering, perjury, and unremarkable whitewater business dealings. Clinton was brought up on two charges of perjury, one count of abuse of power and one count of obstruction of justice by the Republican-controlled House, though only one count of perjury concerning Clinton's grand jury testimony and the charge of obstruction of justice would be approved to go to the Senate, where he would ultimately be acquitted of all charges. Maintaining a net positive approval for nearly the entire length of his two terms in office, Clinton is an extremely unique case not only amongst U.S. presidents, but among impeached U.S. presidents. In that, he is the only president to see his approval ratings go up during and after his impeachment. Tammy, what do you think was unique about Clinton's case that caused his approval to go up? One word. Sex. Sex sells. And that's, that's really, I, as disengaged as I, I was from politics, I, I could tell you it was about sex. I could tell you it was about Monica Lewinsky. Could I tell you everything else that impeachment was about? Probably not, because sex sells, that's what the TV channels were selling, that's what the news was selling, and as a matter of fact, that's probably what DC was selling. Good or bad? Hard to tell, but one word sucks. Alright, and sticking to this question of, of approval, how did Clinton's impeachment impact your view of him, the Congress that put him on trial, and the government in general? I think I lost respect in a manner for Clinton. Um, I just didn't see him the same as I did prior to what had happened with him and Ms. Lewinsky. And, um, I think that the Congress went a little bit overboard, and I think that because that's the only evidence they had, at least the good evidence, was that a president lied about getting a blowjob. Um, you know, it just... It just seemed pointless and a waste of time, I guess, to take a president and try him over a blowjob. I think that it was bad for the American people to see that. I think that, you know, those are things that should be dealt with privately between a husband and wife. And I just, I think it was a little much by the Congress and it was just poor behavior by a man in office, mm. high office. And what role did partisanship come to play in this impeachment process? I've, growing up, I never really thought about partisan politics. You know, I always thought, you know, there were good and bad on both sides. But to me, this was like the beginning of when it was, it became a us and them kind of thing where 
you know, good people weren't working together across the aisle. And I think it really set the tone for, for where we are today. Perhaps most importantly, do you think Bill Clinton deserved to be impeached? Yeah, he lied. Alright. Given that this impeachment became mired in sexual scandal, how do you see this impacting more recent turns of events, such as Brett Kavanaugh and Donald Trump? Did Clinton's acquittal for these charges in some way lead to the disregard of future sexual misconduct allegations against political officials? Or has something entirely <laughs> different occurred? Oh, I think it's absolutely led to a disregard of sexual misconduct allegations. I think between Clinton and and shortly thereafter the case with Anita Hill that it's it's really set the tone for for that kind of misconduct to, to be excused and I think that set the tone when, when it, there's no consequences for that kind of behavior by somebody serving in the highest office in our country. Why would there be consequences for anybody else? All right. And now that we're on to the topic of Trump and sexual misconduct, let's dive into our most recent and perhaps most divisive impeachment. Donald Trump, prior to succeeding to the office of president, was a television personality and real estate mogul. Infamous for his playboy lifestyle, business failures, and numerous divorces, Trump had attended political campaigns before, though wholly unsuccessfully at the time. In 2015, Trump announced his candidacy for President of the United States to the ire of the media, many American people, and Republicans and Democrats alike. Tammy, how do you remember the early days of the Trump campaign? What were your thoughts on him as a candidate initially? Well, like I said, when I grew up, I wasn't very engaged in politics, and I was inspired by, by Obama and the direction he wanted to take our country, and felt really inspired by him to become involved and care about my country and, you know, the politics that affect it. And so I was watching the, you know, the rallies. I always think it's important to, to look at, you know, both sides, to listen to what everybody has to say. And my goodness, I couldn't believe this guy. I think I couldn't believe what an awful, awful human being he was, the way that he would make fun of people and mock people and, just a screaming and the the just totally unappealing. So so I struggle with the appeal of of Donald Trump. And um yeah, I just think he's an awful human being. Through an unorthodox and scandal ridden campaign, Trump was able to eke out an electoral college victory against his opponent Hillary Clinton, though he lost the popular vote by roughly two percent. It was suspected in the aftermath of Trump's upset win that in fact Russian operatives had colluded with the Trump campaign to get him elected, with the Steele dossier being a major catalyst for the suspicions. A special counsel, Robert Mueller, was appointed to the Justice Department soon after Trump's inauguration 
in an effort to uncover the truth of how the Russian government had been involved not only in the Trump campaign, but the presidential election itself. Following the 2018 midterm elections in which Democrats took control of the House, small oversight investigations took place, poking at the issues surrounding Donald Trump. Calls for impeachment steadily grew in the House and among the public, but House Speaker Nancy Pelosi took little action beyond the oversight investigations and attempting to ensure protections for the Mueller investigation. Amidst this, the Mueller report was eventually released amidst controversy involving the Attorney General's withholding and editing of the report. Unfortunately, because of a massive stonewalling effort by the Trump administration, Mueller was unable to find truly concrete evidence of wrongdoing on the part of the Trump administration and refused to say publicly if Trump had in fact committed a crime. Tammy, what was your reaction when the Mueller report was released? Did it persuade you to favor impeachment more thoroughly, or did it cause you to take a step back and reevaluate? Well, I, I personally was not surprised by the report. Um, you know, there had already been multiple indictments and, and evidence that had already come out prior to the release of the actual report. Um, the corruption was obvious to me, so... I wasn't surprised and <clears throat> I was already in favor of impeachment based on what I had already heard and seen and seeing it confirmed in the Mueller report I thought you know that other people would come to see the same but surprisingly that that didn't happen. For many the report and its aftermath were suffice it to say underwhelming. Expecting a bombshell, it seemed many people were greeted with a dud. Despite this, more Congress members began calling for impeachment, reaching well over 100 representatives by the time that more news broke out. On August 12, 2019, a whistleblower complaint was filed concerning a phone call between President Trump and the President of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky wherein they discussed Zelensky bringing investigations against former Vice President Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, in exchange for U.S. military aid. Seen by many as an effort to bribe a foreign country to manipulate the 2020 presidential election, in which Biden was a key contender for the Democratic nomination, impeachment inquiries were swiftly launched in the House. Further stonewalling and witness blocking by the Trump administration led to a very narrow investigation by the House, which eventually <clears throat> resulted in two articles of, of impeachment, one for obstruction of Congress, the other for abuse of power. Both articles were passed by the House in a party-line vote, and Trump was subsequently acquitted of both articles in another party-line vote in the Senate. Tammy. Having lived through all three of these impeachments, how do you think the Trump impeachment has stood out among them? What would you say is the defining characteristic of this one? It was brazen, and it was overt, and it was so obviously corrupt. It was, uh, 
I mean, those are the defining characteristics, and I think that's exactly how it stood out, is brazen and overtly corrupt. How has this impeachment in particular affected your view of politics and government in America? I think there's a lot of cleaning up to do, and I think that non-engagement of politics um, only clears the way for more corruption. Closing your eyes and saying, oh, it's corrupt, it just is what it is, and not trying to change it just makes it worse. And it's led us to a place where the corruption is in your face, obvious, I'm telling you what I'm doing, and you're not going to do anything about it. And where do you see America going in the future, particularly in regards to impeachment? In regards to impeachment, it's hard to tell. Um, I don't think impeachment's working. There's, there's just, there's no consequence. There's no consequence for bad behavior by men serving in the highest office. And it's become, it's become so that, you know, everybody around you could be corrupt and in prison and you're still sitting there and still being corrupt and using other people for your corruption and I don't know it doesn't seem to work without consequences and if you could describe each of these impeachments in one word that encapsulates their legacy to you hmm kind of pointless <laughs> I just keep thinking crooked sorry <laughs> it just because that's what you know next to me and I am not a crook so um you know, crooked, but but still, I think that people were still stood up for what was right. The people around him, people in Congress, people in Senate, his own cabinet, people stood up <clears throat> and said, "No, I'm not going to allow this." So. And your one word for Clinton. My one word for Clinton. The Clinton impeachment, in particular, or Clinton. <laughs> The impeachment. <laughs> oh man, um, hmm. that was a little much. It was just too much. The boxes and boxes of evidence that led to nothing. Um, it just seemed a little much. And finally, your one word for the Trump impeachment. Well. He should have been removed. <laughs> he should have been removed. If nothing else, then the simple fact that he was surrounded by crooks. I mean, you are defined by the company you keep quite often, and somebody that, that's serving in that highest level with that kind of power over the country, over the world, um, you know, should definitely have been removed. Given this nearly 50-year history of impeachment, how do you believe Americans' views on impeachment have evolved and perhaps warped over time? Is impeachment still seen as a solution to a problem, or has it, in a sense, become a wholly partisan activity? I think it could be a solution. Um, you know, if people weren't 
is so self-serving um, you know it, it's become partisan so when you have houses that are, are partisan and there's no consequences because one's defending another because regardless of their behavior um, it's not a very viable solution anymore but it's definitely caused politicians to become more partisan just within themselves, within the parties, within the Democratic and the Republican parties. I don't know how that changed. I don't know what made it change. I don't know if the Republicans were mad that Nixon got impeached, so they're going to get their guy, and it's some kind of game that they play with each other. I don't know, but it seems like a game. But that's not how our Constitution was written. And there you have it, folks. Three impeachment with three stories of crude corruption, scintillating scandal, and a pesky partisan hooey. And what is to be learned from these three cases and the testimony of our gracious guest? Well, I mean, it, it didn't really change anything. If anything, it's changed society for, not for the better, but they were pointless. They didn't, nothing happened. It's just... It's like a ceremony with no purpose. And what would be your one word for the Nixon impeachment? My one word for the Nixon impeachment? As for the public opinion aspect, it seems with the passing of time, all things become clear. Frequently, the Nixon impeachment has been looked on fairly favorably with his resignation and pardon are solely looked upon. In the case of Clinton, for some it was evident from the very moment he was impeached that he was unworthy of removal from office, hence his rise in popularity following his impeachment. As for the Trump impeachment, it has not seen the sufficient scrutiny of time so that we might tell how it will all pan out. For now the nation remains divided on the guilt or innocence of Trump with a loyal base of support at his beck and call. Trump goes untested until the fall. As for enduring legacies, well, it couldn't be said better than by our guest. And perhaps one of the most evident impacts of this history of impeachment on our most recent case is the seeming increase of partisan influence over the process. Initially, with the case of Nixon, it's believed by many that Nixon would have been impeached had he stayed in office, even though his impeachment and conviction would require Republican votes. It has been argued repeatedly that the impeachment of Clinton was a Republican witch hunt, and the party line votes on the articles of impeachment seem to back that argument up. Finally, in the case of Donald Trump, there is virtually no denying the partisanship at play. From the loyalist attitude of congressional Republicans blocking witnesses and attempting to expose the whistleblower, to the thoroughly party-line votes for the Articles of Impeachment, nothing could be more plain than the partisan games that Republicans and Democrats alike have played this time around. Well, that's it for our podcast this week. I'd like to thank our guest, Tammy Lopez, again, for coming on the podcast and helping us out with this interview. This has been the History in the Making podcast, and this is Luke Lopez, 
your humble host, signing off and wishing you all a terrific quarantine. <laughs>